2: In the marshlands of central Florida It's the Riley and Kimmy Show A heavy, ominous stillness falls over the swamp The Riley and Kimmy Show Tuesday Afternoon I'm just beginning to see Now I'm a my
1: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Riley and Kimmy Show. You can listen to any time, day, night, midnight, uh, whatever. Uh, That's right. And next to me is...
2: Janet! I got one name. Janet! Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. everybody, everybody, everybody,
1: Hi. Hi. I'm your host, Patrick Riley.
2: Riley, Riley, what a pal. He's a man who's understood in Brooklyn or in Hollywood
1: a Oh, that's so true. And right next to me is somebody who is, well, she's she's very nice. Yeah, yeah, she's nice. She doesn't have that kind of a jingle though. She's really nice, but she also is a little Welcome to the studios, Kimmy. Thank you very much. And uh, thank you thank you for being here, actually. Really, thank you, Kimmy. Thank you. Are you going to be doing your impersonations thank you, thank you. on this episode? Obviously, you are. Uh, okay. Well, that's good. And by the way, uh, check out where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. Uh, go to our website at RileyandKimmy.com and you can find more information. The best way, though, is to follow us on Facebook and other social media. Best way to stay in touch with us. We would love to... To see you this weekend will be somewhere quite special, and you can find out more details on Facebook and our other social media at RileyandKimmy.com. Also there, archived episodes of The Riley and Kimmy Show, the easiest way to listen to us every day. Yep, we have links to iHeartRadio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. We are on those platforms. Also, Our social media links, yeah, they're right there. Along with celebrity interviews we've done, videos, pop culture information, and more. What is our web address?
0: RileyandKimmy.com.
1: Find archived podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Pop culture escapism The Riley and Kimmy Show. riley and Kimmy
2: show shall we
1: play a game that is the question for this tuesday does kimmy want to go back in time and play some pop culture trivia what say you kimmy well yeah let's do it we need to warn you the timeline has been adjusted meaning it's not running in chronological or linear order Help Kimmy out with answers by talking to, whispering to, or yelling at whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy Show playing on right now. And it could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth on that laptop, desktop, smartphone, and other computing devices. You need a few more uh, swigs there, Kimmy? <laughs> yeah, Kimmy's, a, Kimmy's getting prepared for, <laughs> for trivia. Wow, that's a big drink there, Kimmy. Still going, fantastic.
0: And I can talk while I'm doing it too. Well,
1: you're like Edgar Bergen. Yeah, you are, you are so talented, Kimmy, or Paul Winchell. Yeah, Kimmy, yeah, Kimmy's very talented. Mm. Are you ready for your very first question? Mm-hmm. It was on this date in history. This person has his last show. He's done. He had been host for thirty years. Tell me who it is. It has been an honor and a privilege to come into your homes all these years and entertain you. And I hope when I find
2: something that I want to do and I think you will like and come back, that you'll be as gracious, inviting me into your home as you have been. I bid you a very heartfelt good night.
1: Kimmy, who is that? Johnny Carson. Correct. Was that the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s, or 1990s? 90s. You're correct. 1992 is when that happened. It was on this date Dr. Washington Sheffield invented the toothpaste tube. Kimmy. When did this happen? We're giving you a plus or minus of 20 years. Now, for you to think about that for just a little bit, today being a Tuesday, for no apparent reason, we're going to go back in time and honor toothpaste here. A little uh, rewind. Actually, it's a stall tactic to give Kimmy an opportunity to think and also, for those who remember this, maybe to bring back a fond memory.
2: cutie katie makes a scene she wears a smile brush three ways clean cleaner breath cleaner taste cleaner teeth three ways clean is colgate clean when handsome harry joins the session he makes a real cool three-way impression cleaner breath cleaner taste cleaner teeth three ways clean is colgate clean in your mouth trouble can start with craft food particles that attract decay bacteria producing decay acids Colgate with activated guard all foams as you brush. Helps foam away food, decay bacteria, and decay acids. Regular Colgate brushing for most people instantly helps stop bad breath that starts in the mouth. I have the Colgate, girl and boy. Brush three ways clean to both enjoy. Cleaner breath, cleaner taste, cleaner teeth. Three ways clean is Colgate clean. Help fight decay with Colgate. Three ways clean is Colgate clean.
1: There's your rewind, Kimmy. On this Tuesday, your your time is up. We're looking for when the toothpaste tube was invented. You have a plus or minus of 20 years.
0: 1928.
1: Um, no, I don't even have to. I don't even have to try to count. No, 1892. Oh, now it's kind of interesting. It took a while for it to actually catch on. You would hear ads on Golden Age of Radio and seen some Golden Age Television for tooth powder. And instead of toothpaste tubes, they had tooth powder, toothpaste Mm. powder instead of the tube type stuff. Okay. The year is 1906. This duo receives a patent for their flying machine, Kimmy. Tell me the name of the duo. The Wright Brothers. You're wrong. I mean, no, you're right. Yeah, Kimmy got it right. She's right. The year is 1955. A scheduled dance to be headlined by this performer was canceled by police in Connecticut. That's because rock and roll dances might be featured. Tell me the name of the recording artist.
2: I found my thrill oh,
1: yeah. Who is it, Kimmy? That's Domino. That's right. That happened in Bridgeport, Connecticut. The year's 1955. This comedian did his last live network radio broadcast. This is after a run of 23 years That's because he had a TV show going on at the exact same time. He had been doing both of them, but he decided just to devote on TV. Tell me who it is. Here is an excerpt, just a little bit, from that final radio broadcast.
2: He deserves a little more respect from us. After all, he's one of the pioneers in the broadcasting business. You're darn right. Why, when I did my first program, there were hardly any radios in the country. And darn few people. (laughs) Darn few people, darn few people Plenty of people when I started They may have had feathers in their hair, but they were people (laughs) Mary, if I were Jackie Gleason, you know what I'd say? One of these days One of these days, pow, back to the May Company If you were Jackie Gleason, I wouldn't have to go back you said touchy can't you take a joke certainly i can take a joke but here we're doing our last program of the season and everyone comes in and insults me
1: can you tell me who that is jack benny you're right and by the way we have that final broadcast the whole thing in its entirety on our website right now you can listen to that at rileyandkimmy.com the year is 1956 this person's tv show he had a series airs for the last time he would do specials years later but his show airs for the last time, the series, on NBC. Tell me who it is.
2: Thanks for the memory
1: of sentimental verse. Who Nothing. is it, Kimmy? Bob Hope. You're right. The year's 1958. This rock and roll star gets married, Kimmy. He announces that he has married his 13-year-old cousin, Myra, who is the recording artist. Um Jerry Lou Lewis. That's right, Kimmy. Moving to nineteen sixty-one, in the world of music, we have a difficult one for you. It might be titled Impossible Music Trivia, even though music is your strong category. Please help Kimmy out, whisper and answer, or yell, or shout at whatever computing device you're listening to, the Riley and Kimmy show on right now. Here is your clue, Kimmy. This song hits number one. We want to know who the recording artist is. Isn't that 1961, it's Mother-in-Law. Who is the recording artist, Kimmy? I don't know. That's Ernie K. Doe. Moving to 1965, tell me the name of the group, Kimmy. Their single goes to number one, the title, Ticket to Ride. The Beatles. Moving up one year, 1966, the 18th Emmy Awards happens. Kimmy, these these are the primetime Emmys. Okay. Okay. See if you can identify the Outstanding Comedy Series. Here's your clue. It is the TV theme.
0: The Dick Van Dyke Show.
1: That's right. Outstanding Dramatic Series, Kimmy. Originally aired on ABC. See if you can tell me what it is.
2: An innocent victim of blind justice. Falsely convicted for the murder of his wife. Reprieved by fate when a train wreck freed him en route to the death house, freed him to hide in lonely desperation, to change his identity, to toil at many jobs, freed him to search for a one-armed man he saw leave the scene of the crime, freed him. To run before the relentless pursuit of the police lieutenant obsessed with his capture.
1: What is the name of that TV show? The Fugitive. That's right. Bonus points if you can tell me who that narrator was.
0: Um, William Conrad.
1: Wow. Way to go, Kimmy. Moving to the next question. Outstanding continued performance by an actor in a leading role in a comedy series. Boy, that's a mouthful. hmm Yeah. Tell me who wins the Emmy. Here is your clue. Hello.
2: Hi, Jerry. What's keeping? I'm all ready. Hey, did you check the lodge? What'd they say? Five inches of new powder on six feet of packed snow. woohoo
1: Is that good? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but,
1: Jerry, listen, come on. Come on, I'm getting tired of this living room skiing. <laughs> I want to get up on that mountain. Okay. Yeah.
2: Oh, boy. Oh, boy, honey. Jerry said that there's... There's at least five inches of brand new powder on six feet of packed snow. Gary said that's fast. Very
1: fast. Can you tell me who wins the Emmy? Dick Van Dyke. You're right. Now the same category, but for actress. Tell me who wins. Listen carefully. Can you tell me who that is? Mary Tyler Moore. That's right. Outstanding performance by an actor in a supporting role in a comedy. Tell me who it is.
2: Oh, no, no. i got that promotion, you know. I'm moving up. Good. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm way up there now. i got the big job. I'm in the prints. Fingerprints. I'm in charge of a whole section and R. NAB to Riziki. That's the hot section, you know. I don't know why it is, but your biggest criminal elements fall right between those two letters and are, boy, the stories I could tell you. (laughs) 95 big ones a week, plus 125 at Christmas.
1: Can you tell me who it is? Don Knott. That's right. He won the Emmy for Barney Fife. Actually, the episode is The Return of Barney Fife. It's when he came back to the series, The Bad Years, you know, when Mm. he came back... I wish he had never left, and I wish they never went to color. But he won the Emmy. Moving to 1967 TV, Kimmy. This TV show premieres. Tell me the name of the show.
2: It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood. A beautiful day for a neighbor.
1: Would you? Can you tell me the name of that show? Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Ooh, you got it right. I bet you've never seen an episode, a full episode of that, have you?
0: I tried successfully not to.
1: I loved Mr. Rogers. He, he get, scared he me. He didn't scare me at all. He was my friend out in the middle of nowhere. Mm. I had no neighbors. And I thought he was creepy. I he I, Hey, he was okay. Him and his land and make-believe kept me, uh, kept me entertained. Okay. Yeah. So you you don't know what the trolley is? Or Daniel Tiger or XL? No. Uh, there goes my idea of you cosplaying of one of the uh, one of the characters. Sorry. It was on this date in 1969 Apollo 10 flew within 9 miles of what? Kimmy, within 9 miles of what? The moon. The moon. This was the rehearsal for the first lunar landing, which would be what Apollo number? Apollo 11. Hey, she's on a roll. The year is 1980. In New York, five gold records that belonged to this artist were stolen. Tell me the name of the artist. Oh, hey, me all Who is it, Kimmy? jimmy hendrix you're right moving to 1985 a james bond film is released kimmy it would be the 14th james bond film and the last one for a certain person to play bond our question is can you identify the bond movie tell us the name of this song which was from the movie then you have the title of the film
2: You know, the plans Could be the whole
1: Can you tell me the name of the Bond movie?
0: Um, uh, I'm trying to fast forward <laughs> in my head. It's by Duran Duran. That, that's right. Yes. Oh my gosh. Kimmy. He put me on the spot. Can't think of the name of it right. Uh,
1: do you know the answer now? Yeah,
0: View to a Kill. Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. view, view to a, a kill. kill. Yes, yeah. Kimmy.
1: That's what, uh, was, it's the la- what I was going to say. Yeah, it's the last James Bond movie for whom?
0: Um, um, for Roger Moore.
1: That's correct. Grace Jones is in that movie, and Christopher Walken plays the, the bad guy. Oh. premiered on this date, 1985. The year is 1986. <coughs> this actor agrees to a 10-picture, six-year deal. He does that with United Artists for a reported $15 million for each film. Tell me who it is.
2: can't do that. I don't deal with psychos. I put them away through
1: a disease, and I'm the cure. Kimmy, who is the actor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you laughing at? Yeah. Yeah you laughing at you're the disease i'm the cure hey that's my new that's my new impression
1: oh, she's added another one and see this, i like that one see, that's fun maybe thursday or friday or saturday or sunday she might do that on the you're the disease i'm the cure she might do that on the show floor of megacon okay kimmy who is it sliced alone that's correct the year is 1986 this actress this singer well, gets a little upset with a certain talk show host. Tell me the name of the talk show host and tell me the name of the actress and the singer. Who says something that gets bleeped?
2: Uh, now, now, do you live in New York now or you live in California? No, I kind of go back and forth. So this time you're staying in New York. How long have you been here? Since October. <laughs> <laughs> in a hotel since October? No, I've been... Uh I've I've been in a hotel for actually the last couple of months. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you want us to cover this. <laughs> did did we agree to pay for parking? Yes. <laughs> is, is that right? No. <laughs> uh okay, so that you thought that was one reason, but of course that's not really the reason. What what was the re I mean you you must have had a change of heart about something? No, actually. I don't know, because I thought that I would never want to do this show with you. Now, why? <laughs> now, let's let's I- I- explore this a little. Why? B- because you thought I was uh, uh, An astronaut. <laughs> and, and, of course, for you folks at home who may have missed that, what she said was she thought I was an awfully nice guy. <laughs> no, an astronaut. Yeah, an astronaut. I thought you were an astronaut. Yeah, no, yeah. you know now what? see, I-, I, know, I know. I know. I knew that's how you felt. I knew you probably felt that way. And because it, I told the guy on your show. Who's that? Oh. <laughs> that guy over there. I don't know where he is now. Yeah, yeah. Because you guys had tried to get me I was doing live at five one time. Mm-hmm. But I very much enjoy your show and and it
1: Can you tell me who that is? Well, David Letterman. Yes, David Letterman, who swore at David Letterman. Susan St. James? No. Um uh, Margot Kidder? No. Uh She was part of a singing duo in the 60s that went into the 70s, and she was on TV with her husband. Oh, Cher. Yes, it's Cher. The year is 2001. This actress divorces CNN founder Ted Turner. Can you tell me who the actress is, or do you need a clue?
0: Jane Fonda.
1: That's right. How many years within one had they been married? Six. Ten years. The year is 2001. A remastered version of this person's album is released. Self titled album. Here is one of the singles from that album. Tell me who it is. Who is it, Kimmy? Madonna. You're right. Two (laughs) thousand two. Barry Bonds hits his 583rd career home run. He tied Mark McGuire for the fifth on the all-time list. What team is Barry Bonds playing for at the time? St. Louis Cardinals. He's playing for the San Francisco Giants. The year is 2003. The final manuscript of this conductor's symphony was sold at auction for a little over, well, almost $4 million. Really close to $4 million identified the composer. Kimmy, have you ever seen A Clockwork Orange? No. Mm -hmm. Interesting, because the piece was used in it, I believe, towards the, the end of the movie. This has also been used in commercials and other things over the course of time. Who... Is the composer um, Mozart? No. Bach? No.
0: Um,
1: As she desperately goes down the list of classical composers, Schroeder from Peanuts. No, Kimmy, it's actually Schroeder's favorite composer, Beethoven. Yes. Did you see the bust of Beethoven on Schroeder's piano? Is that what did it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Years 2015, Netflix announces that they are, well, having a revival of a certain TV show, Kimmy. Identify the TV show and then tell me two people who will not be on that revival. <laughs> predictability. The milkman, the paperboy, even TV. How did I get delivered here? Somebody tell me, please. Kimmy, do you know the TV show? No. It's called Full House. Netflix announces it will be revived in 2015, but they also announced that, well, the twins will not be part of the revival. Tell me the name of the twins.
0: Um... Ashley and Mary Kate
1: Olsen. Yes, you got it right. Celebrity and notable birthdays. Famous people born on this date in history. Kimmy, you played the author's game as a kid. We've talked about that on previous episodes. And, you know, it was like a card game, right? Yeah. Let's just test it here. This person born 1859. He was the author, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. Tell me who it is. Conan Doyle. She got it, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Kimmy actually got it right. I, I can't believe that. Have you ever read a Sherlock Holmes book? No. Nope. Moving somewhere else on the timeline, Kimmy. This actor, born 1907, he appeared in the Franklin Langella Dracula in 1979. He played Van Helsing. Fantastic performance. He was in Clash of the Titans. He played Zeus in 1981. He was in Sky Captain and the World of Tomorrow, two thousand four. He was digitized in that. You know him. For a nineteen seventy six movie, he played the villain in Marathon Man.
3: That hurt? Uh-huh. No, I should think it would. Should take better care of your teeth. You have a quite a cavity here. Is it
2: safe? Look, I tell you, can't
1: have you ever seen Marathon Man? No. So you've never seen the dentist scene we were using that clip from? No. You, have you ever seen Clash of the Titans 1981? Yeah. You saw Sky Captain in 2004? Yeah. Can you tell me who this is? No. Sir Lawrence Olivier, born on this date 1907, died 1989. Next person, Kimmy. Frank Converse is his name. He is 80 years old today. He was part of a TV series for two seasons. It was on from 1974 to 1976. See if you can identify the TV show he is famous for. Here's your clue. Big wheels rolling. Gotta
2: keep them going. Big wheels rolling.
1: Can you tell me the name of the TV show?
0: Oh, Big rigs, something I don't know. Uh
1: Come on, can you semi, do Semi
0: it? no. no I,
1: it's not called Semi. It was originally called actually not to the public. Its first title that they didn't go with was Tandem
0: Convoy? No,
1: not no. G- <laughs> That's That's that was a that was a song from about that time period by CW McCall.
0: Big rigs uh
1: well, the song was a hit for Merle Haggard. It was number one on the Billboard Hot Country Singles Charts July of 1975. The name of the TV show?
2: Moving on. The white line is the lifeline for the nation. And men like Will and Sonny make it move. A good hot cup of coffee is waiting up ahead. And the rhythm of the highway hums so along gears has got to be a fever Odd men become addicted to the grind it takes a special breed to be chucked out in man, in a steady hand, to let that low big Big wheels rolling, gotta keep them going, big wheels rolling, moving
1: on. Moving on, that's the TV show Frank Converse is known for, he's celebrating his 80th birthday. I had a relative who was a big rig driver over, you know, across the country, nationwide, and my job once a week was to stop by his house because he bought a video tape recorder. The thing was, it's huge. I mean, just because he wanted that one show, and it could only record one hour, the, this VTR. I mean, it had a big tape, one hour, you had to set it up, and that was my job. Mm. To eject the, the tape from the previous episode, label it, and put the new one in. I got paid to do that. Wow. That was kind of a cool gig. Yeah. He was the only person that I knew in that area that had a... You know, uh, video recorder. Hmm. That's why that show I, you know, kind of identify with a little bit. Next person, actor Kimmy, celebrating his 80th birthday. He would appear on Carson a lot. Matter of fact, filled in for Carson one time, and it didn't go over very well. Here he is talking about it, See if you can identify who is having his 80th birthday today.
2: Well, see, (laughs) the seal was supposed to come out late, and everyone knew the seal was out except me. Yeah, I wasn't getting a lot of laughs, Mm. but the seal was starting to get laughs, and I thought I was getting the laughs, but of course it was the seal, and then Fred said to me, he's out, (laughs) and uh, there he was, and my little friend was out scampering all over the place, and then Fred had a good idea that i do the monologue over here with uh, Ed, which is,
1: the seal has his own show now. Can you tell me who that is? No. That's Richard Benjamin. Do you remember him? Oh, yeah. Tell me why this person's on the famous list, Kimmy and Cusack. She's an actress. Yes. How old is she today? Within five years. 50. She's 57 today. Next person celebrating his 52nd birthday, a singer. See if you can identify who it is. He had a number 10 Billboard Hot 100 hit. It was number one on the Hot R&B. Here's your clue from 1990. It sure smells good. When
2: you get through, I'm going to show you, the night will be a special night, no matter where we go, and I'm so proud to be with
4: you, I just want to
2: let you know,
4: you got to sing it, my, my,
1: my, 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 my was his hit from 1990, who is it Kimmy? Luther Vandross? No, very good guess. He was part of New Edition. Does that help? No. Johnny Gill. I see dead people. Notable deaths. Famous people. Who died on this date in history? The first one passed away, 1802, Kimmy. She was the first, first lady of the United States of America. Who is it? Martha Washington. That's right. She dies at the age of 70. Next person, 1885, dies at the age of 83. He was an author, Kimmy, known for The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Who is it? Stevenson? No, it was Victor Hugo. Hmm. The judges say you did a fantastic job today, Kimmy. Well, that's nice of them. Yes, they do. And we're going to honor something we talked about on Trivia with the Golden Age of Radio, a little spotlight we're doing. I mentioned moments ago that actor Sir Lawrence Olivier was born on this date in 1907. He was no stranger to the golden age of radio. Moving into the world of haunting, a thriller, this is the radio production of Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray. It stars Sir Lawrence Olivier. It was done in 1957. Here's our tribute to Sir Lawrence Olivier on The Riley and Kimmy Show.
2: It's mystery time. Time now for the best in mystery.
3: Tonight, mystery classic stars Sir Lawrence Olivier... In the picture of Dorian Gray. Every impulse that we strive to strangle broods in the mind and poisons us. The only way to get rid of a temptation is to yield to it.
2: Good evening. This is Don Dowd, your host for Mystery Time. Tonight, as on every Thursday
3: night, Mystery Time brings you Mystery Classics. Great stories of crime and punishment
2: performed by famous stars. Tonight, a real treat. Sir Lawrence Olivier, regarded by many as the foremost actor in the world, brings to life Oscar Wilde's
3: chilling classic story of a man and his portrait, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Here is a powerful drama of temptation, of evil, and of the consequences. It's sure to hold you spelt um, So now transcribed, Oscar Wilde's The Picture of Dorian Gray, starring Sir Lawrence Olivier as Lord Henry Wotton. <laughs> been friends at Oxford, and after a few lean years, he had emerged as one of London's most fashionable and successful painters. I dropped in to see him one afternoon, and found him putting the finishing touches to his latest picture, the full-length portrait of a young man, whose looks could only be described as beautiful. It's your best work, my lord. You must certainly send it next year you to the Broglie's. The Academy is too large and too vulgar. I don't think I'll send it anywhere. I know you'll laugh at me, but I really can't exhibit it. I put too much of myself into it. Too much of yourself in it? I can't see any resemblance between you and this young Adonis. He looks as though he was made out of ivory and rose leaves. I sometimes wonder whether he isn't too good-looking. After all, there's a sort of fatality about all physical and intellectual distinction, and Dorian Gray's beauty is enough Ah, Dorian Gray, so that's his name. Yes, though I didn't intend to tell you. <laughs> Why not? Oh, I can't explain. When I like people immensely, I never tell their names to anyone. It's like surrendering a part of them. I thought you think that's foolish. Yeah, not at all, my dear Basil, you seem to forget that I'm married. And the one charm of marriage is that it makes a life of deception absolutely necessary to both parties. You know you don't believe that, Harry. <laughs> you never say a moral thing and never do a wrong one. <laughs> Your cynicism is simply opposed. Being natural is simply opposed the most irritating pose I know. Now, tell me more about Mr. Dorian Gray. How often do you see him? Every day. He's all my art to me now. I see him in everything I think of. I suppose you would say he inspires me. Mm. I look forward to meeting him. I don't want you to meet him, Harry. I know you far too well. At the moment, Dorian's simple, sincere, and charming. I know just how to amuse you and change you and make him hard and cynical and vicious, all that you like to think you are yourself. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. I want to keep Dorian the way he is now, not only beautiful in looks, but in nature. Oh, uh, oh, come in, Dorian. This is Lord Henry Whitton, an Oxford friend of mine. How do you do, Lord Henry? Yes, he was certainly wonderfully handsome. There was something in his face which made one like him at once. All the candor of youth was there. As well as all youth's passionate purity. Are you really a bad influence of your friend Lord Henry? Like Basil says you are. There is no such thing as a good influence, Mr. Gray. All influence is immoral. Why? Because to influence a person is to give him one soul. He does not think his natural thoughts or burn with his natural passion. His virtues are not real to him. His sins, if there are such things as sins, are borrowed. I had never thought of it that way. The aim of life is self-development. I believe that if one man were to live out his life fully and completely, the world would gain such a fresh impulse of joy we would forget all our maladies. As it is, we are punished for our refusal. Every impulse that we strive to strangle broods in the mind and poisons us. The only way to get rid of a temptation is to yield to it. Live the wonderful life that is in you while you are still young and... Yes, and beautiful. Stop! <laughs> You're bewildering me. I don't know what to say. There must be some answer to you, but I feel confused. I don't know what nonsense Harry's been telling you. I wasn't even listening, but it certainly gives me a most wonderful expression. I really think I've caught it on the canvas. Animation, the sheer surprise me. with you to think. I really think it's your masterpiece, Bradle. I'll give you anything you'd like to ask for it. Well, he doesn't mind to sell, Harry. What is yes. it then? It's Dorian, of course. Oh. He's a lucky fellow, then. How sad it is. I shall grow old and horrible and dreadful, but this picture will always remain young. It'll never be older than this particular day in June. If only it were the other way around. If only it was I that would stay young and the picture that was to grow old. For that, I would give everything. There's nothing in the world that I wouldn't give. I would even give my soul. From the moment I first set eyes on Dolly, I knew the power and influence I could exert over him. Within a month, Dorian was a new and vivid being. Never marry a woman like my wife, with straw-colored hair, Dorian. Why not, Harry? Because they're so sentimental. But I like sentimental people. Never marry at all, Dorian. Men marry because they're tired, women because they're curious. Both are disappointed. I don't think I'm likely to marry Harry. I'm too much in love. That is one of your aphorisms. I'm putting it into practice, as I do everything you say. And who are you in love with, Dorian? With an actress. An actress? That's rather a commonplace debut. Who is she? Her name is Sybil Vane. Never heard of her. No one has. But people will someday. She's a genius. My dear boy, no woman is a genius. Women are a decorative sex. They never have anything to say, but they say it charmingly. Women represent the triumph of matter over mind, just as men represent the triumph of mind over mould. Annie, your views tell it. Never mind that. How long have you known her? About three weeks. It would never have happened if I hadn't met you. You filled me with a wild desire to know everything about life. For days after I met you, something seemed to throb in my veins. I began to wander all over London looking for new experiences. And I found her in a cheap little theatre in the East End. She was playing Juliet. I have never seen anything so exciting. She is a wonderful actress. You've met her, I suppose. I see her every evening. Her and her mother, who plays in the same company. Their home the fiercest. Everything else is mean and ugly and squalid. But Sybil herself transmutes the world around her. She is the great passion of my life. <laughs> you mean she's the first romance of your life? This is merely the beginning. Do you think my nature is so shallow? My dear boy, the people who only love once in their lives are really the shallow people. What they call their loyalty and their fidelity, I call their lack of imagination. How horrid you are. (laughs) I wish I had never told you about it. You couldn't help telling me, Dorian. You'll always tell me everything you do. (laughs) Dorian's love affair was really a considerable bore. As it meant that he was never to be found in a club for dinner. Like the new Dorian himself, passionate and exciting, I rather regarded that love affair as my own creation. And I was perfectly sure that I could put a stop to it whenever I felt so disposed. When Dorian solemnly announced that he was going to marry the girl, therefore I felt that the time had come. I went with him to the theater to see his Juliet, and a flatter, more uninspired bit of acting I'd never seen in my life. Even the gallery booed the poor gallery. But what on earth is the matter with her? I've never seen her act so badly. She was like a different... She's very beautiful, Dorian, I grant you, but she certainly cannot act. I can't understand it. Perhaps she was ill or something. Come round with me to her dress. Thank you. No, I prefer the club. Why don't you come, too, and forget all about it? We'll drink to the beauty of Sybil Vane, for she is beautiful. And what more can you want from that? After all, I don't suppose you want your... your wife to act, will you? So what's the matter if she plays Juliet like a wooden doll? After all, if she knows as little about life as she does about acting, she'll be a delightful experience. Go away, Harry. I want to be alone with her for a few. I'm furious that you should have seen her give such a terrible performance. There must be some reason for it. I've got to find out what that reason is. I might have explained to him that love is very much the same thing as art, since both are simply forms of imitation. As it was his discovery of their interdependence threw him rather out of continence. And well, it might, if his account of the interview was correct. So, well, what on earth was the matter?
4: you mean how badly I acted tonight? It was dreadful.
3: Are you ill? You've no idea what I thought. I brought a close friend to see you, told him that you were a story oh,
4: Dorian, you should have understood why I was bad tonight, why I shall always be bad, why I shall never act well again.
3: You're ill, I suppose. When you're ill, you shouldn't act. You make yourself ridiculous. My friend was bored. So was I.
4: Dorian, before I knew you, acting was the one reality of my life. It was only in the theatre that I lived. I thought that it was all true. I was Rosalind one night, Portia another. I believed in everything. The people I acted with seemed godlike. The painted scenes were my words. I
3: don't know what you're trying to say.
4: Dorian, you taught me what reality rarely is. Tonight, for the first time in my life, I thought through the hollowness, the sham, the silliness of the part I was playing I saw that Romeo was hideous and old and painted, that the scenery was vulgar and the moonlight false. The words I had to speak were unwell, not my words, not what I wanted to say. You had brought me something higher, something which art can only try and reflect. You had made me understand what now really is. Now you're more to me than all art can ever be. Take me away, Dorian. Take me away with you where we can be quite alone. I hate this page. I cannot mimic a love that burns me like a flame.
3: You've killed my love. You used to stir my imagination. Now you don't even stir my curiosity. Dorian,
4: Dorian, don't say such terrible things. I love you. I love you. Don't you love me anymore?
3: Love you? I'll never see you again. I'll never even think of you or mention your name. I wish I'd never laid eyes on you. You spoiled the romance of my life.
4: Dorian, don't leave me. It's Not like this. Please forgive me. I'll work so hard. I'll try and act well again. Don't leave me because I love you more than anything else in the world.
3: I'm going, Sybil. I don't wish to be unkind, but I can't ever see you again. You've disappointed me. That night, Sybil Vane played her greatest tragic role in earnest. She committed suicide. I was the first to bring the news to Dorian next morning, hoping that he would not be too desperately upset by it. I must admit that he wasn't. He took it with a surprising degree of calm, I thought. I'm glad you don't think me heartless, Harry. But I really must admit that this death doesn't affect me as it should. It seems to me to be simply like a wonderful ending to a wonderful play. It has all the terrible beauty of a Greek tragedy. A tragedy in which I took a leading part, but in which I have not been. You're wise to take it so philosophically. Mourn for Ophelia, if you like. Put ashes on your head because Cordelia was strangled. But don't waste your tears over Sybil Vane. She was less real than they are. We won't talk about it anymore. It's been a marvellous new experience, that's all. I wonder if life has any more in store for me. Life has everything in store for you, Dorian. It looks like yours. There's nothing you won't be able to do. But suppose I become old and haggard and wrinkled Harry. What then? Uh-huh. Then you may have to fight for your victories. As it is, they're given to you. No, Dorian, you must keep your good looks. By the way, where's your portrait? You used to not to hang on the wall there? Yes, sir. I sent it back to the picture frame. I wanted the frame altered. But it wasn't the frame of the picture that was altered. The picture itself had undergone a strange alteration. Since that rather distasteful scene with civil vein. The expression of the painted portrait had become mysteriously different. The smile which had been so beautiful was beautiful no longer. It had twisted itself into a cruel sneer. Dorian Gray's wish had been granted, the wish that he had uttered in Basil Hallwood's studio. He had wished that he himself might remain young and that the portrait might grow old, that his own beauty might be untarnished and the face on the canvas bear the burden of his passions and his sins, that the painted image might be seared with the lines of suffering and thought, and that he might keep all the delicate bloom and the loveliness of his youth. And impossible as it seemed, the wish had been granted. But now the portrait had become more than a mere work of art. It has become an accusing conscience, which mirrored within itself all the thoughts and deeds which Dorian Gray strove to conceal from the world. And that was why the portrait must be hidden and locked away, lest in the evil of its look, the world should see him to the soul, and Dorian Gray should be betrayed. death means nothing to
4: him.
3: my dear Basil. It's only shallow people who require years to get rid of an emotion. A man who is master of himself can end a sorrow as easily as he can invent a pleasure. Dorian, this is horrible. Something has changed you completely. You look the same, but you're different. You talk as if you had no heart in you, no pity in you. It's all Harry's influence, I can see that. I owe a great deal to Harry, that More than I owe to you. You only taught me to be vain. Well, I'm punished for that, Dorian. Or shall be someday. I don't know what you mean by that, Basil. Or what you want. I want the Dorian Gray I painted. By the way, where is it? Have you, have you taken it down? Yes. It began to depress me. I couldn't bear to look at it. But why not? Where is it? Let me look at it again. No, Basil. I don't want to show it to you anymore. Not show me my own work? Are you serious? Quite serious. I can't give you any reasons, and, and you're not to ask for anything. Well, if that's the way you feel about it. <laughs> really, it seems rather absurd. I'd uh, changed my mind. I was going to exhibit it in Paris in the autumn. Exhibit it? You mean put it on show for people to gape at? I never thought you'd object to being admired. I can't explain it, the way I feel. But there seems to me to be something fatal about a portrait. After a while, it begins to have a life of its
2: own. Well, oh, Dorian,
3: I can see no change in you, character, yes. Not on your features. May they never change, for if you're serious, they're all that I shall ever have to remember my greatest painting by. Oh, no. The portrait of Dorian Gray was no longer a work of art that could be placed on exhibition. The portrait was becoming more revealing every day. The horizons of Dorian Gray's experience were rapidly widening. New sensations were being explored, new pleasures tasted. If it was I that he chose to take as his model, at least he exceeded his model in the power to carry his pleasures lightly. The youthful beauty of Dorian Gray remained unchanged. It was only upon the face of his portrait that the harsh lines began to spread. How horrible. So that's what I have grown into already. Within a year, it is though half a lifetime of meanness and spite and evil have been gathered into that age. Within a year, an hour by hour, week by week, the face is growing older. If it escapes the hideousness of sin, the hideousness of age is still in store for it. The cheeks will become hollow or fleshy. Yellow clothes feet will creep round the fading eyes and make them horrible. The hair will lose its brightness. The mouth will gape or droop, be foolish or gross, as mouths of old men are.
4: Oh, it is more than horrible. It is desperate. Suppose that someone should find it here, break into the room,
3: and see it for themselves. and Gray, as he really is. Well, so far. No, you must admit that I don't age very much, despite my excesses over the last twelve years. This is nothing to laugh about, Dorian. They're saying that you corrupt everyone with whom you become intimate. Quite enough people who enter a house with shame of some kind to follow after. Isn't all this a little unnecessary, Basil? Lord Tain was one of my greatest friends in Oxford. He showed me a letter that his wife had written to him when she was dying alone in her villa in Mentone. Your name was implicated in the most terrible confession I've ever read. What of it? The story was probably true. Lord Henry is your closest friend. Surely for that reason, if for no other, you shouldn't have made his sister's name a byword? When you met her, not a breath of scandal ever touched her. Is there a single decent woman in London now who would drive with her in the park? Can I help the weaknesses of my friend? You also have known me. I wonder whether I really do know you. Before I can answer that, I should have to see your soul. To see my soul? Yes, but you needn't worry. Only God can do that. <laughs> you shall see it yourself. Tonight. Come, it's your own handiwork. Why shouldn't you look at it? You can tell the world about it afterwards if you choose, but nobody believes believe you. If they did, they'd like me all the better for it. I know more about the world than you do. Come on. You've chatted long enough about corruption. Now come and see it face to face. I think that it's only God who sees the soul battle. Draw back that curtain and see mine. Mad, Dorian. You won't? Then let me do it for you. No. Well, do you recognize it? That is a picture of my soul. <laughs> Years ago, when we first met, you flattered me and taught me to be vain about my looks. You introduced me to a friend of yours who explained to me the wonder of you. Then you finished the portrait that revealed to me the wonder of beauty. In a mad moment, I made a wish. Perhaps you would call it a prayer. I remember it, oh, how well I remember it. That is the picture you painted. Oh, things impossible. must have gotten the canvas. The paint they used had some mineral poison. I don't believe it's my picture. Why, can't you see your ideal in it? There was nothing evil in that, nothing shameful. You were to me such an ideal that shall we'll never meet again. This, mm-hmm. this leprous thing, to worry. and what a lesson, what an awful lesson. The lesson has come too late. It's never too late. Kneel down and pray. With my soul there, leering at me. My picture. But, but my thought. You must have destroyed it. You are wrong. Your picture has destroyed me. Dorian, what are you doing? Put that knife down. (laughs) Basil Hallward was dead. The uncontrollable feeling of hatred that had come over Dorian Gray might well have been whispered into his ear by the grinning face of the painting on the wall. The painting that had once been the picture of Dorian Gray. He would destroy it. why had he kept it so long? Once it had given him pleasure to watch it changing and growing old. He stood before it for hours, a silver mirror in his hand, comparing the hideous likeness with the image of his own perfect beauty. The very sharpness of the contrast had once quickened his sense of delight. Now, he felt no such pleasure. The picture had become no more than an accusing conscience to him. And he would destroy it. There on the floor beside the body was the knife with which he had just committed murder. As it had killed the painter, so it would kill the painter's work and all that it meant. It would kill the past, and when that was dead, he would be free. Hanging upon the wall, a splendid portrait of their master as they'd last seen him, in all the wonder of his exquisite youth and beauty. Lying on the floor were two dead men. One was the artist who had painted the portrait, Basil Holbert. The other was an old man, withered, wrinkled, and loathsome of visage, with a knife driven into his heart. It was not until I examined the rings on his claw-like fingers that I recognized who it was.
1: If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show... We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y and Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us. We will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy Show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based. About pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes.
2: The Riley and Kimmy Show.
1: Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?